Hello, welcome to Don't Call Me Exotic. I'm O-N-E-O. I'm a DJ, radio presenter, and promoter. This is the podcast where I invite people in the creative field to come talk to me about diversity, culture, personal experiences of racism, both in life and in their careers. I'd like to welcome my next guest, the champion of up-and-coming artists, producers, and DJs, and the founder of an amazing platform for events, releases, and interviews called Stay Cool, and generally a lovely human being, Sean Grant. <laughs> that's an amazing how did you get all of that out in one take that's amazing what my breathing no well, no oh. your, well, your breath control just yeah just no how did you get all that breath out <sighs> no i meant how did you how did you get like that whole thing because i'm a professional a, no Sean. yeah but that, that that's that's immaculate though good job like i'm excited to be here thank you for having me thank you for coming on i wanted to start with just basically where are you from from (laughs) and yeah your background where you grew up and yeah who are you okay do i need to talk about my ethnicity as well you can talk about whatever i mean that's a long story and i just did an ancestry test which is uh, had alarming results what go on oh mate like i'm in addition to the five countries i already talk about i'm like scottish mostly scottish nigerian yeah which i've never even known uh, and then there's other countries like Mali, and then there's like South India as well, and other things. Okay. So yeah, I am a global citizen in so every sense of the uh, word. Your ancestors were got busy. <laughs> Thank you. Great thought. Great thought. Um, but yeah, no, I am from Ilford, Essex. Uh, we don't really talk about that now. I'm after Towie, but yeah, I uh, grew up there. Uh, what was the question? Just who are you? Yeah. Okay. And then uh, me, I now work at Twitch as a music curator, but uh, a lot Along the way, I trained in multimedia, so design and music and stuff, um, and then got a job in graphic design and did that for a long time before moving to Japan, where I taught English for three years and then ended up uh, living in the countryside and just staying out there, not coming back to England and started DJing as well. Uh, I I came back because I knew music was my passion and I wanted to make it my career, even though I love design and art as well. Um, and then, yeah, slowly somehow ended up with a job at Ace Hotel London Shoreditch, programming the events, <laughs> including amazing ones like Night Dreams um, and the uh, nightly DJs like the one in front of you. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, uh, alongside that, started this thing called Stay Cool in Japan just to teach myself to mix, which ended up becoming a, a radio show, uh, an event series and a release platform with, you know, the likes of Ryan Fest, DJ Jazzy Jeff, Evil Needle, Teclin, uh, and a lot of amazing producers and artists. How did the one with Jazzy Jeff come about? Uh, you, you know, when when the, when when I started the, the show on Radar, RIP, but also not RIP because screw Radar, but... <laughs> um yeah well don't screw the stuff stuff are amazing but uh yeah <laughs> anyway when i started the show on radar <laughs> it it's was a techie one though it, it is, is a techie one it is a weird one because there are a lot of opportunities and jobs yeah um there are a lot of amazing people there who weren't paid and mm. um there are a lot of amazing opportunities for poc and you know marginalized uh people from marginalized communities to get access to equipment that they otherwise never would get yeah but, you know, that's why I'm, I'm glad that they still, like, represent and now no signal and other places kind of bring in that. But, yeah, the vibe at Radar was specifically very unique, you know, like it was very yeah. special in its own way. Because I'd never had a radio background, they started me off uh, from 4 to 6 a.m. <gasps> on a Monday morning fortnightly. It wasn't live, it was pre-recorded, so I could just send it in. Yeah, well, I, I, I no, guess. Well, I mean, no, you never know. But, yeah, I mean, at least for, for my little fan base in Japan, wow. that time wasn't too oh. bad. 
um that's it wasn't intentional though they didn't do it to help my japanese fan base but yeah it was just because i had no radio experience and then within a year um just got the show popping enough to the point where we uh ended up hosting it live every fortnight on a saturday lunchtime which was you know a massive change um and we had live guests from the start so the first guests were joe armin jones and max owen playing keys and like Max Lauren on the CDJs treating him like an instrument he's amazing um, thankfully we still got the video from that on YouTube but then yeah I was just reaching out oh, to a different people a little YouTube plug everyone hey, check hey, it out stay cool fam you know what it is um, but yeah then thankfully I had uh, I was just reaching out to different people um, just to try and get him involved and I'd just seen that DJ Jazzy Jeff was coming through so anyone that I saw coming to the country I was just like alright Go on Facebook, check info, find their management. Da, da, da. Email his management. It turned out to be his wife, but I also like emailed because <gasps> you know, so I do my research. I know, right? It's like it's, so it's, she's so lovely as well. Um, but yeah, I do my research, right? So like in my email, I was like, listen, I've uh, interviewed Sango, I've interviewed Taku. Both mm. of them had been at his playlist retreat, which is where he gets different in, uh, artists and DJs to work to call the music together. Yeah. So there, were, house, so there were like links. Which is crazy. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, and yeah, I just yeah. like made it clear and she was just like, yeah, let's do it. And <gasps> then... Uh, I'd written questions about his protege and then also Rhymefest because he was recently working with them. And I opened the door and Rhymefest and <gasps> his protege are there as well. And so I was able to flip it because the questions that I had for him about them, I was able to ask them directly. So they were like, whoa. Yeah. So then it started a little relationship between us. And I was like, okay, like I'm working on this compilation. Do you have any music? Da, da, da. Rhymefest was sending me stuff. And then, yeah, that's how uh, I got him, uh, Jazzy Jeff and Eric Robertson as well. Amazing wow. R&B, legendary singer. Uh, so this was this was 2017 2018 yeah yeah, yeah. so that was a year after i started um and yeah that was summer 2018 which is the and then fast forward three years you took over selection radio yeah 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 yeah, yeah, exactly because um (laughs) on the second episode joe uh (laughs) sorry joe (laughs) k um julio the hooligan and andre power um were the guests and Sango was the guest mix. He did a, a mix of all Brazilian music as well, which Amazing. is like still the most popular thing, obviously, yeah. in my SoundCloud. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so there's been a relationship SoundCloud for a time. love Sango. Oh, they do. Yeah, there was a time <laughs> when uh, me, me Dio Moore, like everyone knows it, like back from like 2013 to 2016, basically when I was in Japan, like Me Dio Moore was a related song on every track and yeah. you could not escape it like in the best way. But yeah, I've known, uh, I, I used to write about Selection like 10 years ago. Yeah nine years ago for a, a blog called soul, soul culture so there's been like a relationship from like a long time ago oh, it's see. only like recently become like a proper tangible thing but you know i've known of them for so long now which is yeah, yeah. sick well one of the reasons why i wanted to get you on the pod is because we met like out out like we met in clubs and events and stuff yeah your events <clears> and <throat> is that how we met yeah at my did you it- i think put me on to you Okay. Oh, well, I knew you were popping already, but then, uh, yeah, Digi, like, was like, oh, come meet. And it was like, oh, like, oh, this girl's famous. Like, come on now. Oh, stop it. I but mean, then, there's a reason why I invited you on the A reason why you're famous. Going. We all know that, of course, that's true. But, um, yeah. And then, yeah, that's how we met. Uh, yeah. Night Dreams at Birthdays. When I think of you, I think of nightlife. Yeah. And for several reasons, on a personal level of how we met, but also because you were working at A. So what was your role there? And yeah. how long were you there for? Uh, so I think my title was cultural programmer at ACE and what I did um, starting on July 1st, 2019, so almost well, over two years ago now, which is crazy. Um, I was looking after the nightly DJs because we had DJs, like nine DJs per week every night in the um, 
Ace Lobby because obviously there was a vibe. So every Friday <gasps> and Saturday gig. we'd have two. And I was literally telling like a few others like everyone says Ace was that, the best. That was my no favorite what, like. set. But yeah, we had two DJs on Fridays, two DJs on uh, Saturdays, four hour slots each, and then uh, a DJ per every other day. So I was booking all of those, and then I was also looking after the club because it hadn't done so well in you know previous history, um, and we were just trying to turn it around. So yeah, uh, turn Miranda around was one another big goal of mine, and so I worked between the two to try and make the lobby pop, but also Miranda pop in its own way. So yeah, yeah, that's what I did. Because we met, I think, end of what twenty eighteen or something, and just in the short, like I guess two years ish. Or yeah. am I just... I mean, no, am we, I you're making it up. We, we've known each other since like 2017 probably. Okay. But. <laughs> but like just in those like short years and then obviously not counting 2020. Yeah. But also can't ignore 2020. It's just we've seen so many venues close. Yeah. And I think like thinking about all of the promoters and parties and even the venues, it's like it's so hard not to actually think about like gentrification and also think about the types of events that are being yeah. welcome and stuff so like i wanted to get your perspective on the programming side and what you face and not necessarily due to the fact that you were at ace but that just being a landmark venue within an area that's you know a going out area in shoreditch yeah um one of the biggest going out areas in london yeah. i would think or is that a very like it's not <laughs> east london centric no, way of thinking not like, but it's like shoreditch a destination was... area to yeah. party yeah and Ace Hotel was like a massive. It was a beacon in that yeah. area, and and it, it runs deeper than a lot of people. A lot of people realize, and obviously I know it's because I worked there. But even before that, it opened. It's, it's they started working in like 2012, 2013. It opened before that. Like Shoreditch wasn't really an area to go. I can remember because I moved to Japan in 2013. I didn't really go Shoreditch like that. Like, yeah, I wasn't ever there. It was kind of like known as like a dangerous place for certain people. Yeah, with Ace, they always pick they pick somebody they like like actually just like being mm. and the founder of ace hotel as well he loves shoreditch so uh alex i think his name was he um decided to pick shoreditch as the location and that was what part of the first wave if not the cause of the first wave of that renovation of the whole area mm -hmm. which made it become you know hipstery as everyone wants to, wants to call it so there's a uh, a lot to the history of shoreditch and yeah what was the question again <laughs> <laughs> but just like you're what you what did i have seen? to face as a, in my role yeah in terms of that kind of stuff yeah um <laughs> no, no no i'm just trying to break it down because there's so much that, that could be discussed because you know it, you said we've seen a lot but it's true especially you know thinking back to 2018 since i've been back in uh from japan um 2018 is my favorite summer because i came back in 2016 so i caught the end of that summer and then 2017 was cool 20 wait like... did you just say 2018 is the best summer since japan yeah 2018 was my favorite year of yeah. all time yeah, and i've mentioned yeah, yeah. this okay, on the pod like... before it is it was the best summer yeah. of my entire life everything was popping like there were just events all the time rents had rooftop parties opposite hackney the dawson dawson uh, roof park yeah exactly the garden whatever it is uh boiler room had uh low heat yeah low yeah. heat yeah. Oh my uh, god! So it was like on a Wednesday you could always go low heat, then on a Thursday or something you could always go to rinse, and then the weekend would always be always be busy anyway. Everything was popping that summer. Everything was perfect, and then Hackney Council at the end of that summer decided that they wanted to be done with everything mm -hmm. in terms of clubs, right? Um, whether a large part of that to do is, was to do with black audiences and stuff, we don't know. But at the end of the day, what we do know is that the the people of Hackney voted against that, and they wanted to keep everything. But Hackney said no, and they shut down birthdays and under and nest and, you know, that whole strip kind of just got pulled out, right? So I feel like that kind of made, like, Shoreditch an even more crucial 
part of the story and i'm not really sure how we get we're going to get the answer for your question but we're going to get there but i feel like <laughs> yeah one of the one of the things like in terms of the stuff that i faced like because it's such an open question like it, where can i start because obviously when i took the reins from harry who is incredible as well and harry's oh, like shout a out harry. Well. harry's harry's a g when, I, when harry put me forward for the job I knew that there were certain issues in terms of, uh, you know, the club needs to make more money, da, da, da. But his programming and him as a, a, a selector and, you know, specialist, his knowledge was so diverse mm -hmm. and he just like treated the club with such a wide range of talent and sounds and people. And so that was something that was really important and put upon me as well. But then there was also an additional pressure because... Uh, you got to make money. Yeah, we've got to make money and, and, and basically the A staff, we can say this now because A's ain't even a thing anymore, isn't it? But <laughs> the A staff knew that the hip hopper events were the ones that make money, right? Yeah. Uh, or the, the ones that famously make money because there's other demographics that I can talk about more if we need to, but that they wanted to get more of as well because they're known to bring in money. But yeah, like they knew what? that. We'll get there. But, but <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure how much I should say before I get like angry emails or, or missed calls from unknown numbers. Basically, the hip hop events were bringing money in already. They were just like slowing down a little bit. We were trying to get those back into full life. But then I was also told not to rely on them so much because that had kind of worked against ace because of certain policies and like the 696 and that kind of stuff with the police yeah. and the air and stuff. Which um, I actually want to talk about like after the 696 was a form which had a racist basically is a form it still exists secretly stop yeah it's still a thing even though the police said it wasn't in, in and no there's like way. i thought it was shut down it still exists in a different form so a form if, in a if you form. don't like if you don't know what that form is it's a form called 696 and it was set up by the Met Police. And correct me if I'm wrong, but it was it, what I believed, and I guess the public were to believe, that it was set up in 2005. And up until 2008, there was a question in it where you had to give details of the events, including music genre and the target audience, which actually included ethnicity. Mm. And this was then used to discriminate against like grime and rap and basically black events. Yeah. I was under the impression that this question was taken out in 2008 okay. or something. And then the form itself was scrapped by Sadiq Khan in 2017, I believe. But that's my understanding yeah. of it. But go on. I mean, I, I, yeah, I can't really think back to uh, the full details of the form. But basically, we needed the form for certain events that were running past uh, the regular time because we usually closed that too. But then we do uh, events that the temporary events notice. Yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. Tens. The tens, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah but exactly. like, because that's what I was but, gonna bring up. Because like, I had to do a few of those like from my events, and yeah. they still had that question. In Did it. you have to fill it out yourself? I'm. I can't remember exactly yeah, but doing the fact it. That you're but familiar with it but means the fact that, that had, I know yeah, that no, no promoters that I dealt with ever had to deal with the actual maybe form. it was maybe they, it was at birthdays or something. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I promoter do that because you shouldn't be seeing that stuff. But it did have the question in it. <laughs> but it had the question of like, what's the ethnicity? And yeah, I was like, so that's what I'm saying. Like, fuck off. I, that's one thing that kind of blew my mind because especially what was it like probably like 2017 2018 everywhere it was all in the news right especially what was it destruct i don't know the name of the place d-s-t-r-k-t oh, district 
is it district? Yeah, I, I don't can know. Never, Some, you know. There's you know no when, vowels in it. It's yeah, not, you can never yeah. tell. There's like a producer called BZKT, and I'm like, is that Biscuit <laughs> or Buzzcut? I don't know. I just don't know if his name biscuit is Buzzcut or, or Biscuit. Bus- <laughs> All right, I just don't know. But anyway, <laughs> people are hating on the vowels, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's since subtract, didn't it? But that one was very clear about what it was. Yeah. Right? But <laughs> district or destruct, whatever it is, yeah. Anyway, people were ranting about it because they famously turned away a group of black girls uh, in a very, like, apparently racially motivated thing. And, and it sparked up this whole conversation about, you know, um, black people to being turned away from places that play black music and, mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff as well. Form 696 was still getting discussed. And I think you said in 2017, Sadiq cut it, right? Yeah. So I had thought that that was the end of it. But it was only when I started working at Ace and saw this form as well. I was like, oh, OK, like, still clearly exists in a different form. And you've seen that yourself, right? Which is, is kind of mad because... So I guess like in a because six nine six was only for, it wasn't like a temporary thing. It was like for every promoter, wasn't it? But I can't imagine that every promoter for every event would have had to do that stuff because we had events that went on regularly without any. That is. So I don't know how. So do you just pick the? Yeah, or maybe it was like when a new event would start, they'd have to to certify something. This is all speculation. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that was super strange to me, and there's like a whole other layer to it as well because of um, security codes. Mm. I can't remember what it is. Rather than say someone's race when they're using the walkie-talkies, they'll be like, "Uh, "We've got uh, an alpha." one male or something like not alpha or beta but like they were like we've got like a s1 male or an s2 male and they could denote what color the person was using these codes like it's just a thing that every like this still exists this is just a security thing like this is not an ace hotel thing so don't think like i love my time no no, at no 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 like that's no, no, that's no. what we've said before like yeah, yeah, it's yeah, only yeah. A, but this like, is a a nationwide system that security use and it kind of all came to a head. I didn't really mind that stuff because, you know, fair enough, you think different races of people may need to may need to be approached differently or, you know, depending on where they're coming from, they may respond better to security of a certain background as well. You know, for certain, if you've got some posh white guy trying to talk to someone yeah. else, like, you're just like, sorry, what are you doing there, lad? <laughs> I mean, it's just like, it's just like, why are you doing that? Yeah. But, you know, I get that. That's fair enough. Even though we shouldn't really... I don't, I don't know if you could, you could call trying, it discrimination. But sometimes when you're trying to de-escalate a situation... Yeah, you, personal okay. things yeah. Every, like, can, can make a big difference, right? Yeah. Fair enough. But then uh, I remember seeing this sheet and it had the different codes. Again, I can't remember if it was like S1, S2, whatever it was. Um, and it had descriptions for different, like different what uh, oh the different names. And so fair enough, it was like, if it was like white, black... Asian, mm-hmm. da, da, da. but it was like Caucasian, uh, Aryan flowing hair, da, da, da. Mongoloid, Negroid. Like I remember calling this out. What is this doing here? This is Ari- not Sorry. okay. I can't remember if it said that. Basically, it just had the strict, like real descriptors of each thing, but they weren't very clear. Like why have you got the word Mongoloid on anything? That oh doesn't even God. mean anything. It was it was very antiquated and outdated, but like. <laughs> for the 19th century or something when i saw this one i was like this has been a printed piece of paper i took it to hr and was just like why is it here what does it mean like oh what, what is this doing here so yeah and what like what happened with that i think you know it probably had just been an error but also people of privilege and you know you could take that to mean whatever you want but people of privilege just don't see certain things in it so that thing was up in security in the security room for far longer than I would have ever known, far longer than I was there probably. But people just probably never noticed it. But this is, oh my God. Like but this again, is why you need like representation in all 
all aspects of any business everywhere because if you hadn't seen it and there wasn't any more diverse yeah and 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 and, you know there were were asian people in that room too and the words on that sheet about asians that they should have noticed let alone the other words as well so it's like i'm standing in a room with people of a different creed and color because the ace stuff were extremely diverse and it was an amazing team but this sign is in here just like calling us all like <laughs> basically the borderline racial like nonsense like slurs borderline oh, but oh i was God. just like what is this so i had to google it and i was just like oh wow like this this is like a sheet from the internet that they and, printed out well someone had printed out and stuck and stuck it there i don't know if it was like a prank or whatever because anyone could have gotten technically gotten there i suppose but like it wasn't in like a, a a very hard to reach area right so you know giving them the benefit of the doubt someone could have stuck it up there but this is a real sheet using the same security descriptors that they use in the walkie talkies and it's here like someone put it there and maybe didn't think it through or just didn't pay enough attention or was trying to be malicious you know so that that was a, a weird scenario where it reminded me that you know it's a good thing i'm here because like you said representation matters and and that's not even my area literally i didn't even work in anywhere near there i was just standing waiting for someone to do something and it was like what why is does this? this say negroid mongoloid caucasian flowing oh hair blue eyes da, da, da. what are you talking about flowing hair yeah so it was something stupid because like that i was trying to get details like yeah i might try hair. and dig it up if i can actually but it was it was just a, a mazza when i saw it it was just such a strange a strange sight honestly but yeah coming from a promoter angle i know that sometimes when i when i was approaching event um venues and i'm kind of having to do that now trying to find a home for night dreams yeah there's and don't get me wrong it's not every time but there are a lot of times where they'll you know i had i had a saturday at ace hotel in shoreditch like that is a good slot like i have you know it was a prime time kind of thing and then i'm being offered like thursdays or like sundays really and i'm just like when things like that happen to me there's like different levels to it so i feel it's quite layered so i'm like is it because i'm a a woman Mm. two is it because i'm an asian woman (laughs) Three, is it because I'm an Asian woman playing black music? Mm. And when I send promotional stuff for them to get like a feel for the night, I'm like showing them clips of past events, which shows black audience. Yeah. So I'm just like, which of the three is it? Yeah. (laughs) Or is it all three? And I think like that aspect from the promoter side, quite difficult to navigate. Mm. And then it's just like, what do you even do? yeah yeah i would find that pretty crazy especially given you know your past bar sales and stuff like that because at the end of the day (laughs) you would presume that most clubs just care about numbers and also you know diverse representation across what what you're offering in your event programming but you know numbers matter right and like also you know who's actually popping in night dreams especially with the guests and stuff was and is popping you know so yeah, I've, I find that strange, but I think you, you definitely have your own set of challenges because, you know, you are basically the premier <laughs> uh, Asian woman <laughs> promoter in London, you know, so. Well, I remember. Me, I, I, I don't know everyone, right? But no, like it's. it's, it's no, you're correct. You know yeah. everyone and I am the best. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like I remember when I was running my event with my ex. And like as a male and like yeah. sometimes security would speak to him. Yeah. And I'm like, no, no, I'm in charge. You can talk to me about this. Mm. Um, yeah. So it's just kind of facing those challenges. And then 
also I know that other promoters have like faced similar I guess microaggression in a almost like venue sense in a business sense yeah not really like a per- personal yeah, it's not interpersonal it's no like, it, but yeah. it's like they either expect trouble or I don't know what it is yeah how, how do you deal with that well for a long time I used to think it was like oh maybe I'm not good enough and because I always like looked to me instead Internally, of blaming yeah, yeah, yeah. other people but then especially in this past year when I've been thinking doing a lot of like soul searching and unpacking of racism and stuff I'm like everything is racially motivated like every single thing that all my insecurities all of, all of the things that self-doubt everything mm. has been based on race and like even if it's not someone being like Overtly outwardly racist, racist mm. to me calling me a racist slur or anything i'm doing everything based on the perception that i think that they have of me because, because of race yeah so now i'm realizing that every single thing of my entire life has to do with me being a Korean woman. Yeah. So now I'm just trying to like rethink and rehash everything. And it's just like, I don't know how I'm going to deal with it. Yeah. I just have to unpack all of it and then just not care and just keep pushing forward. Yeah. I don't know really what the answer to that question is, but it's just like something that is out there. And it's so difficult to think about clubs being shut down for gentrification and for the use of you know to be made into flats and yeah everything is about race as well like maybe not number one like we need to stop like non-white events or whatever but it's like it's all linked yeah yeah and i mean you know that that, that kind of policy of you know we need to stop non-white events maybe it's never been said so overtly but we, there's been plenty of times in America and here, I'm sure, with there's certain places where they're like, oh, we just don't want any more hip-hop events exactly. or any more trap events. Why? Because they make money. Oh, you know, uh, they bring a rough crowd. And I've heard that a lot. I've heard Ace. that a lot. Um, but yeah, I think I think that's that's one of the hardest realizations that I've had as well. And I think I, in Japan, I was starting to notice the whole race thing a lot when Black Lives Matter started kicking off after Ferguson. But especially in the last year as well with George Floyd and stuff, it's just, it's, it's hit me even more. And I think being on Twitter since way back, as well it's just hard to ignore how intrinsically connected race is to everything and and you know the 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 price of being too woke is that you never sleep so Mm. (laughs) so i think it's been a real important journey for me to be like because a lot of people have had debates recently in my friendship groups and stuff and just been like oh you know a lot of people are posting this this free palestine thing you know not really because they mess with it just for clout that they're done it's like yeah that is a huge problem and all the girls who don't all, all guys or whoever that who doesn't who don't really understand that you know posting a black square with hashtag black lives matter messes up the hashtag yeah. and is actually just taking up space or is doing the uh, i'm not going to post anything for one week when it's like you could actually just post about black stuff mm. you know or whatever is missing the point but at the same time at some point you can't necessarily worry about whether everyone else is doing it for the right reasons i think i i don't know everyone's motives but in my circles when i've seen people put forward stuff that you know is woke just because it's an easy word to use and you know you know what i'm saying but i don't really worry about whether they really care about it they're posting it you know like that's better than someone not posting about it And, and and for me like i think at the end of the day as the mental health conversation as the wokeness conversation has come to light, especially in the in this panini. Um, 
it's important to let people just, you know, grieve and move how they want to move, you know. So yeah. some of my mates don't post about Black Lives Matters and they're fully into black stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, they're black and they, they, they don't really post about that kind of stuff just because it's not what they want to post. Or just because they feel like no one's going to see it. Like everyone has to do their own little part. And for me, I just feel like I was compelled to, to do more and more. Um, and that's why I feel like it's such an important part of who I am now and, and, and the way I'm moving forward. But I feel like it's, it's, it's a tough one because there's so much judgment now where it's like, oh, you know, they'll, be, they'll, they'll, they'll comment on like, uh, I don't know, like Michael Jordan be like, why haven't you said anything about Black Lives Matter? Or like even Drake back in the day, he was getting it hard. They were like, Kendrick said this. J. Yeah. Cole said this, yeah, why didn't you say it? Da, da, da. Like, anyone could do whatever. Tory Lanez was out there po- like protesting for Black Lives Matter and then he did his nonsense with Megan yeah. a couple of weeks later. Like, yeah. So at the end of the day, being woke is an amazing thing and being aware of the injustices of the world is amazing, but it's also alarming because eventually if you really think about how mad it is, you start to question everything. Everything. So, you, you get paranoid as well, I think. Oh, fully. Like, yeah. and, and the thing is, that extends into your friendship groups, yeah. that extends into your relationships, that extends into your business partnerships and whatever. And at that level, you, you just never settle. You, you're yeah. never still, there's never zen because you're just like, mm, what's yeah. going on here? Is this really what it looks like? Or is it, you know, are they treating me different because of how I look, yeah. how I talk, where I'm from, you know? So there's a, a whole uh, interesting discussion there. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's why it's like you have to do that work kind of like within yourself and yeah. then be at peace within yourself and then like know that this is something we're not going to solve in our lifetime. But what can we do, I guess, in terms of in our circles, the conversations we can have, and yeah. which is like one of the reasons why I wanted to start this podcast because I feel like these are conversations I think people should be having or like information that they want to know more about but maybe they don't have like a friend who was a booker of a venue to talk about it with or like a promoter who you know these are things that you don't really know happen all the people not running the events or djs or whatever are just seeing a party yeah we're behind the curtain yeah but yeah i think uh, another interesting conversation in terms of race that's coming out especially with events and stuff because of Form 696 and, you know, anti-black locations and managers and all that kind of stuff as well. Uh, It's just the lack of black spaces for events in uh, in London and around the like in in the Western world as well. I think um, a large percent of the people that kind of listen to like No Signal and stuff like that as well are now now thinking, okay, where can we actually go? Where's going to be the new hub? And the death of Curtin, I think, as well, Ace and uh, Dinorama even. But uh, the death of those three in Shoreditch, I think, evens the balance now and gives other areas a playing field but i'm not really sure if it's going to be a thing where it's like there's a new hot area i think it it might just be a thing where it's like certain locations in different zones where it's like oh this is the spot in north this is the spot in south this is spot in east but even within that i can kind of already tell basically the from what they said with the new ace hotel it's going to be called the 100 it's not run by ace it's just like it's different managers um but i think there's no club there's uh, a it's bunch like a of winery bars. or something yeah downstairs. there's a bunch of bars but there's like nine restaurants as well and i don't understand how you fit in we had one restaurant and that was the challenge how have you got nine different restaurants in this what? building i'm curious but again the point is ace catered to to black music and even if it wasn't seen as a, a black space um it did 
provide for a lot of people and, and I think a, a lot of people when they thought black events thought about Miranda or thought about the lobby when we had selection up there or whoever you know so I'm just curious to see what happens now in terms of the next generation because you've got places like No Signal or platforms like No Signal that are like black radio specifically run by Jojo etc like with a mostly black cast which is amazing um how does that transform into locations and mm -hmm. events you know so that's that's what I'm curious to see now because if uh, a lot of black people have noted that, uh, especially with the death of Ace and other places like... There's uh, a void. Yeah, there's a void, but there's all... It's kind of like there's a void, but that was kind of like a band-aid. Ace was a band-aid on a void from before. What actually happens in terms of that? Because there, I don't think there are actually any spaces owned, as far as I know, by black people that are known in the scene, you know, like uh, if you think about like Five Miles or other venues, like, so I'm curious to see what happens with that. And hopefully, you know, some of these platforms can transfer that into locations and all that kind of stuff. But it's a, it's an interesting conversation because black music is everywhere. And, and you know, basically most music in this day and age is black music somehow, mm -hmm. or is derivative of it, but there's no official locations for it. Yeah, well, we need black owned venues. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly but the question is just how or who or what or where but i think it will happen and i think every every death of a venue in this city is another opportunity for one to come to life you know and yeah it's you just gotta hope that the right ones do but it's just what it is no i agree in the fact that like maybe it's more location based and not so much like an area you go to mm. shortage is nothing about its people you know like the, the crowd determine what pops like People would look at uh, Ace and be like, oh, Ace is sick. Yeah, Ace is sick. But we listened to the people and we created a vibe based on what was necessary. Yeah. And that was my job, you know, because I knew I had my Ace of the Streets and I knew who was sick and who needs to come through. And that's why we had like Keep Hush or Trap House or, uh, you know, Selection, of course, and so on. But it's just a question of how does that transfer into the future? Because I think a lot of a lot of venues are going to try and play it safe because they one don't want to entertain that kind of sound and two because and this is another conversation itself but basically bars to me are kind of taking over clubs and that's one of the reasons why we saw you know other places like um you know big chill or whatever kind of bar were able to open officially even when nightclubs couldn't nightclubs yeah. haven't been open in basically a year and a half now yeah. which is insane oh my god yeah it didn't open in that middle bit no um, at all they've not been open not, at all yeah. but if you're a bar yeah and you know you have like a nice tables and all this kind of stuff you know you play a little music here and there there's yeah, a dj booth yeah. we don't really focus on that they were open in, yeah. in between so i think a lot of people have biased perception but yeah i think i think there's racial stuff in there in there too I, but i think it's uh generational as well generational sorry in terms of how the older generation and the boomers see us because a lot of people see nightclubs as are well. you're getting lit and wasting money Mm -hmm. that might be true mm -hmm. but if you're having a good experience and if it's a, a place for you to let go of uh you know the the burdens of the week in your life like yeah night, nightclubs are an escape people don't yeah. even realize that like, i mean that but then also on the level of artists and performers exactly. it's like music like club culture is so important for certain artists and certain songs even yeah to grow from yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what and I mean? even just just for, for for a culture to grow from you know you look at how many how many genres have been invented in this country alone yeah like 
uh, UK Garage or Drum and Bass or Jungle or, you know, whatever. Like you look at everything, like even even in terms of the new genres that have come out, like I'm a piano popped off and hasn't had a scene, like hasn't yeah. had a gig scene yet or a club scene yet because yeah. it wasn't able be, like wasn't able to be played in clubs. Yeah. Now it's going to happen. Like even like WizKid's album last year mm. was the album of the summer and this summer. And now finally he's going to announce, like he just announced his American tour, da, da, da. All of this stuff is so necessary for, for music, for culture and for the mental health of our people as well like there's no reason it shouldn't exist and there's no reason it shouldn't be supported but i think as we've seen in uh across the pandemic uh the government doesn't really care about the creative industries the arts have suffered as well um and there was a recent uh study i think it was in the guardian or something about the highest paid and lowest paid graduate jobs obviously the highest paid it all the boring stuff whatever no, you know it's necessary. it's not boring it's not boring it's not boring it's not boring it is cool i wish i could do it and you know i did Be a bit really of coding and stuff and but yeah yeah. yeah 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 but you know uh music and the arts were at the bottom end yeah and so i just feel sad because i feel like jobs are getting all and now we're really going out like big brain but jobs are getting automated robots are taking over and it's the creative stuff that the robots won't be able to do mm -hmm. so my job as a music creator all right you have the spotify algorithm it's not me though yeah and, a little look end, to the camera there yeah, yeah yeah but at the end of the day like i want children to be able to see like you can really do whatever you want in this industry or, or whatever industry and i think uh especially black children and children from under underprivileged areas and poc children to be able to look at an area that might be mostly white whether it's uh, event programming or music curation uh for you know wherever i am or uh spotify whoever and you could be in there curating and do it but if they keep going the way that it's going and, and if Boris Johnson keeps not supporting the creative arts and creative industries and jobs keep getting automated, what are they going to do? In a small sense, like gentrification happens because culture made it good and then it made the area a place to go and mm. then they break everything down, kick everyone out so that they can build flats because now the areas worth Yeah, more. because the rich people move in. They're yeah. like, oh, this is kind of trendy. And it's like the UK is sick because of the arts of course of a lot of other things as well but yeah there's a lot of culture here what are like the things that they're most proud of like in the olympics what do they show the arts yeah you know they show i know this is quite basic but in the olympics in 2012 they showcase what spice girls like harry potter like all of those things yeah, but they're, they're, yeah, James it's, Bond it's, saving the it's queen the arts, that. Yeah, you know yeah, exactly. and like you're taking funding away from that and then what are we left with loads of houses yeah that people can't afford. And they can't even look after our, like, the houses that they've already built. You know, let's not go into the padding and stuff. I can't even. As you already know that argument. <laughs> but yeah, it's just crazy. Like, have, is Toronto gentrified? Because when I went to New York as yes. well, um, it was an amazing time. I felt like I was in New York as well. Uh, he doesn't actually respond to that. I don't respond to that. I felt like I was in like quintessential New York, but at the same time, like. I knew it wasn't New York from the 90s yeah. and a lot of my New York friends were talking about how crazy gentrification is and I, mm -hmm. I couldn't even tell if it it's probably worse over there than it is here like but well in Toronto yeah. when I go back there's just so many like skyscrapers and yeah the yeah I mean it's everywhere isn't it yeah yeah, yeah, yeah I mean yeah, the ocean yeah. was on fire the other day so yeah yeah <laughs> just before we finish I, I wanted to congratulate you on the charity um compilation that you released on stay cool thank you <laughs> how was that yeah it's what cool. a release a day not stressful at all yeah yeah so uh back in uh what was it 2015 back in 2014 prime soundcloud era uh tiffany calver and errol anderson uh now touching bass i uh, had this thing called myself and others and they did like a 
December winter calendar where they just had a new song drop every day from like Penthouse, Penthouse, Shungu, Taku, whoever. And that to me was like one of the sickest things. They kind of didn't really follow it. Like I think the second one didn't work out, but like they, they didn't really do it to its best, but they had some amazing music on there. And it was like, if you knew about that compilation, you knew how sick it was. Cause basically you couldn't download it. Like yeah. you had to rip it. Yeah. They, they didn't have like a band camp or anything. And I was just like, why did they do it this way? Like it was painful to me mm. as a, as a, as a, you know, music connoisseur. <laughs> it, was a, it was a different time. Exactly. Yeah. Well, but, but yeah, so for me, I think I've always been inspired by that and other compilations and, and uh, especially in the last year as being able to give back has become a bigger and bigger part of my mentality. And, 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 you know, we did like the 13 hour stream, uh, last year I'm plotting like a 24 hour stream for charity this year working out how to make that happen best uh, has been really important for me and so strangely enough before the pandemic I was already working on this for December 2019 to release um, and it was meant to be about migrants and like immigration because you know England's already been stupid about immigrants and stuff you know every basically you look at the England team playing football and it's mm. like two guys like maybe Maguire two guys are fully English like everyone else is an immigrant <laughs> pretty Patel shut your mouth but anywho <laughs> um, so since then I've been wanting to give back and it's been on my heart a lot so those tracks waited for a long time and I was just like you know we could make it wait till Christmas this year but also I just want to get it out and so yeah it drops a new track every day in June and that's now going to end up on cassette tape and streaming uh, over the next month. Yeah, the the response has been sick. It's really nice to have like a dedicated fan base from Twitch and other places as well who just support what I do. And whether it's, you know, through comments or uh, actually supporting the tape, like it, it means a lot because at the end of the day, I'm not doing this for me and I'm doing this, you know, for charity and I want to give back to migrants. Uh, oh, sorry, Doctors Without Borders. But yeah, no, it's been cool. And yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see where it goes from here. I feel like that's the end of our releases for a while because now the focus is, for me personally, is to work on my own music because I enjoy that process and I'm, I'm, I feel like it's about time. But yeah, it feels like the last five years because officially August 6th is when the streaming and the tapes come out. August 4th, 2016 is when I came back from Japan. So it's like the last five years have been given in service because Staycall's whole thing has been putting other people on. Now it's time to work on my own thing and, you know, Me see time. I, Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and so I'm excited for that. Even though Staycall will continue, continue in its own way and I'll still keep doing the mixes and stuff. But yeah, it's been good. It's been good. So where can people find you? Yes, I'm uh, at Sean Grand on everything other than Twitter because someone took it and then never used it. So at the <gasps> underscore, I'm trying to get, I've been trying. Uh, and then yeah, uh, stay cool, stay cool fam on everything. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for coming on. My pleasure. Bye. <laughs> thank you so much for listening and thank you to Sean. This is my final episode of series one. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I have. But I have plenty more in store for you in the next couple of weeks. So make sure you subscribe, follow and rate the show to keep posted on new episodes. You can also get in touch with me at Don't Call Me Exotic Pod and at Oanio on Instagram. Oh, and make sure you don't call people exotic. Bye.